this is Jordan Beal. Welcome to the Rock of Grace podcast from our Kinsman campus. We are passionate about leading people to follow Jesus together, and we're so glad that you're opening the Word of God with us today. I pray God speaks to your heart. Hi, my name is Sarah Zaharansky. Um, first, I just want to kind of break the ice a little bit. People always ask what grade I'm in, um, so I usually respond with, uh, I'm not, I'm 22. Um, my mom, who is right over here, is not actually my twin. Uh, she's really just that beautiful and young. Um, love you, mom. <laughs> so my story starts when I was applying to colleges and I had heard about Cedarville University. Cedarville is a private Christian college with higher costs than other colleges I had been accepted at. I was drawn to Cedarville, but the cost was causing anxiety to a point where I developed breathing issues during my senior year of track season. Track meets caused more stress since races made me nervous to begin with. I would get so nervous before meets I couldn't breathe, breathe in all the way and my hands would start to tingle and even stop moving. As track season ended, I was still holding in a lot of stress and anxiety. I closed myself off and I didn't talk about how I was feeling or let any emotions out. After visiting Cedarville, I really felt like I would grow there. I applied for every scholarship I could find, determined to get the cost down. Prayer and perseverance paid off and I was officially going to Cedarville University with the cost down to half of, half of what was asked per year. Move-in day was overwhelming. I was four hours from home, meeting new people, buying books, finding classes, and finding the best routine for me. I had declared exercise science as my major. Participating in seven sports through school had really had greatly influenced my decision. When the first semester ended, I decided to switch to athletic training. My dream was to be an athletic trainer with the Olympics and travel the world working with athletes. When I met with a director of the whole department before switching, he told me he had never said to a student before in all the years he's been at Cedarville what he was about to tell me. He felt, he had, he felt I had a reserved and quiet personality. He also, felt, he also said he felt God was telling him that I should not switch. I was shocked and offended. I didn't understand why he said this, but I was determined to prove him wrong. Athletic training the next semester was great. I was taping ankles, which I was really good at, by the way, and I was learning about injuries. One stressful day at my clinical site, there was a shooting nearby resulting in lockdown, and I witnessed a football player suffer a severe concussion, sending him to the hospital. Time for track practice became limited, and constant injuries inhibited me. I also dealt with anxiety, nausea, and not feeling like myself anymore. I started to feel I wasn't where I was supposed to be. Sophomore year, spring semester, I would have sleepless nights where I would shake uncontrollably, feel like crying, feel anxiety about school, and worry about getting sick with COVID going around in the dorm. Whenever I tried to sleep, I would jerk awake as soon as my eyes closed, and I literally could not sleep at night. Summer came, and I still did not feel like myself. I started having a burning sensation in my chest that felt like a constant hunger pain or heartburn. Nothing helped, and my parents thought it was all the stress I was dealing with. On top of everything, I was also struggling with school to a point where I got tested for a learning disability, and the results came back with mild depression, anxiety, and ADHD. During the summer, I made the decision to switch back to exercise science. The head of athletic training told me, whatever you feel is best and what God is telling you to do, you need to follow. 
I thought I felt good about my decision, but something just didn't feel right, and I ignored that feeling. I quit college track junior year feeling it would take some stress off. Still dealing with mild depression and anxiety, I went to counseling, but it only helped a little bit. I was still having nights of not feeling well. I would be up until 3 a.m. nauseous with a constant burning hunger pain in my chest and almost being sick from shaking with anxiety. During Thanksgiving break, I was, I was still struggling and I told my mom that I've been feeling like I want to work with animals and I'm not enjoying exercise science anymore. I finished my fall semester, but I decided not to return spring semester to figure out what I really wanted to do. It was hard knowing I wouldn't graduate or be with my friends, but I felt I made the right decision. I decided to see a doctor for the burning sensation in my chest, still thinking it was stress-related. It was discovered that I had to get my gallbladder removed. It did not seem real to me that I was needing surgery. During the three months before my surgery, I was working at the Peter Allen Inn. During the last month of work, I started to have sudden sharp pains from my gallbladder that would make me double over in pain for seconds at a time. During this time, the opportunity to watch Carrie Pesca's mini farm came up. We discussed the need in this area for pet sitting, especially for people with multiple types of animals. It was something I could do immediately, and I was excited to start my first business. My gallbladder surgery was scheduled for June 16th, and I was scared. Many were praying for me in the day of surgery. My mom prayed with me as I was standing there in the room shaking, not ready for surgery. Everything ended up going smoothly and I went home to recover. Finally, all the symptoms I had been feeling for a year were gone and I was recovering. Early July, I started a pet sitting page on Facebook that had immediate success. I knew this would be a stepping stone to a much bigger business plan I dream of. Trisha Hopkins gave me a prophetic word around this time. She saw me running a really high-end dog kennel or some kind of unique business, not knowing about a whole business idea I had written down that incorporates my personality as well as my family's. My mom told me about animal massage therapy. I didn't tell her this at the time, but I thought it was a little bit crazy. After researching it, though, I wanted to pursue it. A couple weeks later, someone told me about a place to get certification for canine and equine massage therapy. I signed up for the canine class in July and I passed. I desperately wanted to work with horses, so I signed up for the equine class for August. A week before leaving for my class, I had received heartbreaking news that would bring difficulties. On July 16th, my dad gave the news that he and my mom would no longer be together soon. I was devastated. My heart broke into pieces, and I did not want to go to my class. I did go, but I did not pass. I struggled to study in the hotel room by myself with my mind distracted. Thankfully, I was given an extension before Thanksgiving. When I got home from the class, I didn't study for a month, being weighed down by anger, confusion, and sadness. Determined to work with horses, though, I practiced a lot, recorded my exam, submitted it to my instructor, and officially passed and became an equine massage therapist. With both certifications, I could start another business, but emotions got in the way. I had no motivation to do anything for the new business with the changes at home. In February, everything was finalized for my parents. It has been and still is a difficult road for all of us in our own different ways. 
Trying to push forward, I started to get the second business going, and I have since acquired two new equine clients who are racehorses at Thistledown Racetrack. I started to come to Rock of Grace two years ago. I came alone the first time, but I sat with the Hopkins family, who I already had a special connection with for years. Trisha hugged me and prayed with me at the end of service, and it was such a special time. My mom started coming with me the following week, and I think we both agree we found an amazing church and family here. There is so much support and community around us, it's amazing. My faith and my relationship with God has grown so much. I was baptized here last year with my church family surrounding me also. There have been multiple prophetic words spoken over, th over me through people at this church about a business and the ideas that I have, and it gets me excited. As I reflect back to Cedarville and the director telling me his feeling that God was telling him I shouldn't switch majors, I realized I was probably running away from the promptings God might have been giving me. God wanted me to follow his plan instead of what I thought was the best plan. I laugh at how offended I got not knowing what God was going to do in my life. I don't know what the future holds for me, but I do know I'd like to own a bigger business. Someone asked me where they thought I might be a year from now, and I told them, I don't know where I'll be or what I'll be doing, but I have such peace with not knowing. Everything God has brought me through has taught me to really trust that he knows best. God had much better things in store for me than trying to figure it out for myself. I know, I know he will keep leading me one day at a time, and my story will, my story will continue to unfold. I hope my story encourage you to, encourages you today. Know that if you suffer from anxiety or worry over your future and purpose, learn to put it in God's hands. He can always handle it and give you something better than you could have ever imagined. He did that for me, and I know he will never stop working things out for the good, even through difficult times. He can teach you to truly trust him. He alone can give you perfect peace through your story. That took some serious courage, amen? Can we just reach our hands out towards her right now and speak a blessing over her? God, we thank you for, for sending Sarah here to be a part of our family. And God, we come into agreement with those words that she's believing over her life. And we speak the fullness of your goodness over her life and her destiny in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. Man, God is so good. When, when you watch somebody else be courageous, especially someone you know, it, it kind of gets contagious, doesn't it? Right? When I know some of you who saw my daughter sing up here, who know her and know how shy she is, that built your courage, right? Because you're like, wow, I know her, and yet when she, that builds your courage. And it's the same when, when, when Sarah shares or when these other videos that we're going to see from people that you know, it gives you courage to tell your story. A lot of times we make assumptions in the church, not our church, just in the church, that the church is full of people who have not suffered heartache or the struggles of the world, right? We're separate. And there's some truth to that because once we have true freedom, we can change that heritage or direction, amen? Amen. But 
if the church is being the church, and this is something that, that you guys do so well, I'm, sure, I'm speaking the church overall. If the church is functioning as the church is intended to function, then we will always, always have people who are hurting and that need set free and need freedom, always, right? Always. We want to always be reaching them. We want them always to be welcome because they need to be set free too. And they need to be discipled into freedom, amen? So many of you know uh, Bill List. Bill, you're here, right? Can you just wave at us? We're gonna hear Bill's testimony over video right now. Hello, my name is Bill List, and this is my story. Um, I grew up in a town, and my mom moved there with my stepdad because my dad passed away, and I didn't know anything until I was around six, seven years old, what was actually going on. And uh, I grew up as uh, a lonely child, but I did have two brothers, older brothers. Uh, my stepdad had 10 kids. Um, my mom was blind from the time I was six until I was 13, and she ended up passing away from alcoholism. She was an alcoholic. Um, and from that day on, I swore I wouldn't be, I wouldn't drink. But after about three months of living with my stepdad, I couldn't handle it. Um, I wanted to run away, but I knew that there was something more for me. And so I called my aunt and uncle and I asked them if I could come live with them. And uh, they, uh, it took a while, but they finally said yes, I could come live with them. And I got out on my own at 17. And it's uh, when all, everything started to really change because I was on my own. Nobody was going to give me anything. And when I left my aunt and uncles, they told me I wouldn't graduate. I graduated, um, got married. My son was born January 6th. And that's when life really started getting hard and I started drinking on the weekends and I was smoking pot and for it was it wasn't a <clears throat> all the time thing it was only the weekends gradually and by the time I was 25, I was into full-blown alcoholic. I was drinking on the weekends constantly, staying out late, uh, just doing things that nobody should be doing when they're married and have two kids. Um, and then 
I ended up um, working out at Ravenna Aluminum and I was there for, we'd been in Warren and I was there for a couple years, but it got to the point where I was making enough money to where I wanted to buy a house. And this led to my first divorce, which I told my wife we were gonna move out of the apartments we were in and get a house. And she said she didn't wanna get off of welfare. And that was my first divorce because I told her that, you know, if you ain't gonna go get off of welfare, then I can't be with you. I can't do that. And don't want to be on welfare for the rest of my life. So anyhow, that led to a divorce and I was working, but it was off and on. And then I met my second wife, which we were together for 20 years. I was still working off and on and the alcohol just kept getting worse. And I was married, but not married because I was at the bar more than I was home. I would go to work and then I would go home and I would stay at the bar until three o'clock in the morning and come home belligerent. And I did this for 10 years. And after a while, she got sick of it. And finally she threw me out, but I was in and out. And I, uh, I would stay at other people's houses just so I wouldn't have to go home. And finally I lost my last job and she threw me out for good. And that's when I started going to AA meetings and actually I lost my job at Walmart because I was drinking and they had found out that I was in jail over paraphernalia. And so they fired me. And after that, I was going to Rock of Grace and it was after I'd been going to the Celebrate Recovery program. They invited me to Rock of Grace and that's when I found, found my home because then I found out what Pentecostal was. And ever since then, I've been there, been home. It's been my home. But for two years before that, um, after that, I was still off and on doing alcohol. Um, I still couldn't get things right. Um, and finally, I was at the mission 
and I was there for about six weeks. I was doing good, and then I screwed up, got a paycheck, went out drinking, got thrown out of the mission. I ended up behind the Rock of Grace that night, and the next morning I called Randy Partridge, and we talked, and he talked to Pastor Mark, and Pastor Mark talked and said that he'd get me into Teen Challenge, and I was in Teen Challenge in 09 to 2011, and that's where everything changed. It changed my life. It put me on a straight path. It broke the curse that I was, the family curse that I was in, of the alcohol and the drugs. And it was two weeks before I got out of Teen Challenge that I was face down on the floor just pleading to God to take away all that was the problem with me and he, uh, and he did, he took it away. And I came out of there a new person, a new creation. Um, I've been sober for my anniversary date was 11-11, 2020. Um, I've been doing the Lord's work whenever I can. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to be with the Lord because the drinking, the alcohol, it isn't, it isn't all what it is, what they say it is, because it's just a turmoil of bad things after another. Even though you think you're having fun, you're not having fun. And if anyone's out there and they are having a bad time, look to the Lord because Jesus is the way, the light, and the way, the life with is, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold and my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Hmm. Psalms 27, one, and I live by it and He'll get you through it. He gets, he's gotten me through it. And if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here to this day. And I thank all the people that in my life that, are, that have been there for me and that are still there for me because my sisters and brothers in Christ are the ones that kept me from going back into that pit of nonsense. And for that, this is my story.
Amen. We love you, Bill. I, uh, before we hear this next one, just, just a comment. The enemy, especially to men, loves to tell you, he loves to tell me that I will lose respect by telling my story. But I can tell you 100%, Bill, I respect you more than I ever have hearing your testimony. And it's amazing to have a man of God like you in this house. Can we just give God another? another? So you, you heard the theme in the first two testimonies, and you're going to hear in this next one uh, of the feeling of being alone. And so I want to encourage you, maybe there's already a couple of you saying, that's me. That, the, that saying that you're alone is a lie from the enemy. It's a lie from the enemy. Jessica, are you, are you here today? Just wave at me if you are. I think, yep, she's here. Jessica's a, an awesome sister that's a part of this family, and we're going to hear her testimony now. Hi, my name is Jessica and I go to the Kinsman campus here and I'm just going to share a little bit more of my story. <laughs> but um, the year of my dad's death, which was about two years ago, um, I was at my lowest. Not only was it because of his death, but I was also dealing with a lot in, um, in school. And so I was starting off college pretty rough, um, drinking a lot, partying a lot with friends. Um, and then one of those instances I was dealing with was rape as well. So I felt really low mentally um, and I didn't really trust in God a lot. Like I honestly didn't really believe he was real. And then this was happening all the way up until the year my dad passed. And after that, I felt really broken down and alone. So I kind of just stopped, like I stopped all of that stuff and kind of just did my own thing for a while. Um, didn't trust God. I didn't really think he was real because all of these bad things were happening. Um, but then fast forward to last year, I actually found myself in the hospital with um, a pulmonary embolism. I was terrified for my life. And thankfully, God got me through that. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't really go back to him. And I still was on the side of if he was real, this wouldn't be happening and I wouldn't have to deal with all these things. So afterwards, I actually was um, found dating an atheist who I lo loved at the time. Yeah. And things kind of turned south again, and I was really unhappy and didn't, like, kind of was trying to start believing in God, and that was really the only way I could turn. Like, there would be nights where I would be upset and crying and <laughs> wishing I was dead, honestly. And so I then finally like, started talking to God and trusting in Him, and that's when I left this guy at the time. And honestly... Within a few, like less than a few weeks, I met Jarrett and he, him and his family, they're amazing Christians. Like they love Jesus. They're very welcoming family. They make me feel like they're family. And so through Jarrett, um, I definitely feel like God reached me and spoke to me. And so then um, I do remember Jarrett telling me that one of his goals was to um, go to church more often because he used to go to church with his family a lot but then he kind of fell off and so to impress him I kind of started to go to church 
and we tried out this one church and unfortunately I was still super scared. So he was very patient with me and showed me the love, you know, through God and everything. And so then I was finally like, you know, there was this church that I went to growing up and I absolutely love it. And so we started, we went to Rock of Grace here uh, about, I believe a month or so ago. And I remember Pastor Jordan actually spoke to me and prayed over me during that time. And one thing that I was dealing with at that time was finances was because um, I was just going back for my MBA, dealing with buying a house at the age of 20. And so um, I was in a little bit of debt and trouble. So after, after that, I just started like fully trusting in God. And I saw like major repairs in my finances and everything and all parts of my life have received healing. So honestly, I don't even think about that time, that dark place as much anymore. And I walk very fully in God. And so one thing that I would encourage people is that if they are seeing, I know lots of people go through what I'm going through and they are not able to speak about it. And I just wanna let them know that God is with you and you just have to trust in him and walk in him and he'll, and he'll protect you, but you need to trust in him and let him into your heart. Was one being the situation where I went through with rape. Um, I actually was just getting out of a relationship at the time, and so that happened within three days, and it was just awful, and I felt like, you know, I deserve this, like, I decided to do this, like, go out and party, and I got myself into the situation, and so I felt really alone, and then there were also people in my life who um, were blaming me for that, which is an awful thing, and so um, until you really go through it, like, you don't realize how, like, awful it hurts. But then another time where I really felt like God was speaking to me and I just did not see it and was believing the devil's lies was most likely when, <laughs> actually I know, it was when I was dating an atheist and everything and trying to like get out of that situation. I would pray every single night. I would be like, hey Jesus, will you send me a sign that I should get out of this? And he would send me signs like all the time. I would get signs like, you know, something bad would happen where I would not be able to trust this person. And so then um, he sent me signs, but then I was like, you know, I just kind of deserve this. Like, this is the best I'm ever gonna get. Like I need to settle and all that. So there, <laughs> there are quite a few times where I felt that way. Last question, speak, speak to every girl out there. <laughs> I want you to talk to yeah. the 19 year old who was you a couple years ago. Yeah. What would you want the 19 year old to hear so they don't go down that same pain, painful path? Yeah. One thing I would say is um, just be strong. <laughs> like yeah. it hurts and like everything that I was going through, like I was finding out my dad wasn't gonna be with us. Um, I was also trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I was lost. Um, we are going into COVID and so I was very alone but you're gonna get through it. And even though it's tough right now, um, you're gonna come out stronger. And like, I feel like God has a way of like, yeah, this might be an awful thing, but then like, I have something 20 times better for you if you just trust me. So mm -hmm. I would just say, just trust in God and you'll get through it. Like whether you're alone or not, like, you're gonna get through it. So, I mean, I was, yeah. And even at the time I was terrified, like, I felt like I just did, I deserved this. Like, this is punishment for everything. Like, cause I mean, I wasn't, I've never even told my parents that like 
I was raped. And because at the time my dad was in the hospital and I didn't want to make that tougher on his life either. So I was fully alone during that time, but God had me and so here I am. insane amount of courage you are uh, you're not alone and um, we're really honored that God brought you to be a part of this family and will support you and have your back wherever God takes you you're showing every woman and man in this place what it means to stand up and fight the good fight. Right? Because the reality is that we're in a spiritual war. In Ephesians, it makes it abundantly clear there's no option for something else, that we are in a spiritual battle. That our fight isn't against flesh and blood, but against the powers of darkness, which means Satan and his demons. The enemy will always try to get us to respond as if we are fighting each other. Always. And that's why we always struggle with fear of man. And are tempted to just remain quiet. I guarantee everybody who shared their testimony at this point, the number one fear is what will people think? Because Satan knows that as long as we do that, as long as we keep quiet, he can keep winning the fight. But he also knows what happens when we speak up about the power of the testimony of Jesus. Amen? Satan knows he loses in the end. He already knows, and he knows how. One of the main ways the enemy tries to silence and discourage us is to tell us that we're alone, that you're the only one, that no one would understand. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And while this scripture taken as a whole is talking about over temptation, it's clear that if you've given in to any temptation, that you are not alone in having gone through that. You're just not. We know that because it says so in the Bible. God cannot lie. It defies his character. If you spent much time with me, we always talk about doing the opposite of the attack. For instance, if I would see the enemy discouraging one of my children about their appearance or how they see themselves... I do the opposite. I tell them how amazing they are. I tell them of the amazing plan that God has for them. I tell my daughters that they're beautiful, and I tell my sons that they're leaders. I fight the lie with the truth. Every single person who shared today felt alone. That was and is a lie from Satan. And we all have felt and seen the power of fighting that lie by doing the exact opposite of what the enemy said. And they shared their story even through fear. And there is an anointing. Our faith is being filled up. Amen? 
It's an army gathering strength. Again, Revelation 12, 11 says, They have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. What would happen if the church in America became passionate about God's word and then acted on it? You know what would happen? Revival would happen, and it's going to happen. I believe it. The lies of the enemy have paralyzed the church into remaining silent because of the fear of man. And the enemy knows, he knows exactly what will happen when through the power of the Holy Spirit we share the testimony of Jesus. Again, I'm not talking about our political opinions. I'm talking about the testimony of Jesus. Over the last few weeks, we've seen amazing moves of the Holy Spirit through the simplicity of obedience and knowing his word is truth. Because of people's, of your church, your obedience and sharing your story, we've seen miracles in this place. Think about it. A few months ago, I preached about the commanded blessing on unity, that it would be absolutely insane. It would be crazy to not do something that God has promised his blessing on. And here we see it again, guys. We see it again. You will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. It's a testimony. I'm getting a little bit of like an accent going on here. Your testimony. It's a promise from God himself, the blood of the lamb. When you've invited Jesus into your life and believe that he died for you, you gain the power of the Holy Spirit. Coupled with the power of your testimony in him, a blessing or an anointing is guaranteed. It's guaranteed. It's a done deal. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when we have the altar team come up in a little bit and when we respond that there is an anointing of heaven if you will obey because God's word is truth. His, the testimony of Jesus has been spoken here today and there is an anointing and now it's our choice of what do we do with that. So today we find ourselves in a war where the enemy is telling everyone to simply to be quiet, to hide, to blend in, to not be heard or seen. Right? Are we all in agreement? That's what the enemy wants, right? Can I get an amen in here? Is that what you agree? That means what I agree. I had to tell my kids that the other day. They're like, what does amen mean? I'm like, they know like theology. Cadence, when she was little, talking about she wants to ride a tiger. And I'm like, a tiger? She's like, in the new heaven. I'm like, oh. But, but I had to explain to my boys what amen meant. So we're going to do something uh, really practical this morning. And really simple. We're all in agreement that God's word is truth. And there's an anointing and simple obedience. So right now it's getting to where we're going to be done in, in less than 10 minutes. Okay? I'm going to ask if the altar team would go, go over to the sides in the front. And I'm going to ask you, church, if you'd stand, because sometimes it's going to the altar can feel really scary. If you can't stand, if you're physically in a place, just don't worry about it. It's totally okay to stay, remain seated. There's an anointing in obedience. These guys around this room 
These guys around this room are your friends. They're your family. And I'm not saying you have to share every, every detail of everything. I'm just saying if God's tugging at you and saying, I need to talk to somebody that they're there to talk to and to pray with, okay? Maybe you're scared that your story is embarrassing or not worth being heard. You are not alone. You could come and pray and you'll know, I guarantee right away that you're not alone. Think of the stories today. Think of the, if you're feeling scared right now, think of the courage that it took Jessica, that it took Bill, that it took Sarah this morning. If they can do it, so can you. Maybe you want to stand in for somebody else this morning. There's power in that and there's an anointing in the testimony. Okay, you go up and you share what you want. Maybe you're not in a place of feeling that you have the power of the blood in your life. You're like, this is so beyond. I'm not even in a place where I know what's going on or that I know I'm going to heaven. I want to tell you right now, right here, that you can have that power in your life. Because to be in the place where your testimony has power, where you have overcome, the power of the blood means that you are destined to heaven because you have made the choice to accept Jesus into your life. He died for you. He's the son of God. Everybody here, that simple reminder, just can we all close our eyes before we're gonna respond, before we're gonna go to the altars, before we're gonna do anything else, before we leave this place. You cannot overcome without Jesus. And I wanna challenge you today that much of the church in America skips to the point of, I'll tell my story, but they're not right with the Lord, so there's the powers in it, they skip. It says, it doesn't just say by the power of your testimony, it says by the blood of the lamb. Have you been washed with the blood of the lamb? Have you accepted the reality that Jesus Christ, who lived 2,000 years ago, lived and died for you? For every one of you. I had a new reality of it this morning on my way to church and I almost wept in the car with my daughter and made a fool of myself. You need to be washed with the blood. All of us do. We all need to tell our story. It's so valuable, but it has to be the whole thing, not, not just the, the 50%. So take a moment. We're gonna turn down the lights. We're gonna take these next five minutes as this song plays. And I'm asking you, church, to respond. That if you know you wanna stand in for somebody, you could start moving now. If you know that you need to go to the prayer team, you could start moving now. I know it's gonna happen and I know there's fear and I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. And I know there's at least one person that you need to give your life to Jesus. It might be the first time and it might be you grew up in church and you've fallen away and you realize I've only been operating at a 50% battery. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. The altars are open, church. You could come up here by yourself or you could go to the sides or up front and pray, pray with somebody. I challenge you to let your response and you're walking out of this place to be at 100% capacity with the authority of Jesus, the power of his blood and the word of your testimony.
The altar's open. Um, I feel the Lord's telling me to come up here and uh, just give a little piece of my testimony that, that somebody needs to hear. Um, I grew up in an abusive home. My dad beat my mom. My mom and my dad beat my older brother. My mom and my dad and my older brother beat me. Um, a common thing in my home was my dad would beat me with a, uh, like a bed slat like an old, old-time bed slat, not the cheap ones you get now, like, like a board. And, um, you know, my, I, I can remember as a kid, like, I having concussions and broken bones, broken noses from my family beating me. And um, at some point in time, that affects your value, how you, how you view yourself. And uh, I just happened to be watching YouTube the other day, and a, and a pastor was speaking about a $100 bill. And he held up this brand new $100 bill he got from the ATM, and then he, then he folded it, and he folded it again, and then he threw it down on the ground, and he stomped on it a bunch of times. And, um, and he picked it up and asked if anybody still wanted that $100 bill. And of course, people did, because it was still worth $100. Um, I want, whoever needs to hear this is that you still have that value. It doesn't matter how many times you've been beaten. It doesn't how many how many times you've been assaulted. If you've been if you've been raped, if you've been punched in the face, if you you've been down and out on drugs, Satan is trying to tell you that you no longer have the value that God that God created and put in you. But you are still you still have that full value. You are still God's beautiful and wonderful creation, and and you are worth one hundred percent what you were at birth. You are worth so much in God's eyes. He loves you and, and you still have your full value. Don't let the lies of Satan hold you back. You have your full value. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. I, I, I feel like there's, does anybody else feel that in your spirit? Like there's, there's, we're right there's something about to happen. Anybody else feel that? So prayer warriors, you don't know what to, you, to do, pray. Tim's going to be right over here. And I'm going to ask you that if you've come out of, of abuse or been hurt, like he said, and you just feel like you need to share with somebody that, that, that story or you need healing from that, Tim's over here. He said he'd be glad to talk to you. If you've struggled with addiction or alcoholism or you struggle with that, would you come back over to this side? If you have anxiety, which is probably, if the statistics are true, a third of this room and you struggle with sleeping at night and anxiety, I challenge you. I challenge you to respond in some way to the king. Jessica's right over here. I'm sure she'd... If a couple of you ladies could pair up with her, I'm sure she'd love to pray with you. Okay? Just a couple more minutes. Somebody has actually been having, your heart rhythm has been affected because you have so much anxiety and you can't sleep. 
and you're not that old and you have you have like your heart just like flutters sometimes and you're like I'm so nervous I don't know what's happening you've got anxiety is somebody struggling with that you're just wave at me if it's you I'm not gonna make you do anything we're just gonna pray for you so much anxiety at night and when you go to do stuff that your heart you just feel it. it's not something's not right and you've been scared something's wrong with your heart just give me a wave just give me a wave amen two of you two of you you are not alone you were bought with a price by the king of kings who created you exactly the way you are and loves you so much as his daughter you are precious in his sight and we speak healing over your heart right now in the name of Jesus and I, I want to ask you before you go to go see go see Jessica and pray with her go see her and pray with her don't be alone sir you are not alone you have an amazing call and destiny on the left. Can we all reach our hands, those of us not at the altar, over to this section right here. I don't know your name, sir, but you are not alone. I speak over your heart that every heartbeat will be perfect and powerful just the way God created you to be, that you don't have to worry that you're losing a step. I feel like you've spent at night sometimes worried like, oh no, what's happening to me? I can't do this and I'm this young and and what do I do? And you're so nervous about things and God has an amazing call in your life and the enemy's trying to speak lies to you. And I speak the truth over you that you are whole that you have an amazing call on your life, son, an amazing call, and that no weapon that's formed against you will prosper in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, I never know how to close a service like this, so I'm just asking you as ministry happens in here, and if you want to have discussions and talk and all that, can we make that happen in the foyer? And I really feel like there's some unfinished business today. I'll be up here, and a few of us do not leave this place without finishing the process, amen, so that you can walk out in victory. Be blessed, church, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Nazareth, I speak blessing and joy over you that you know your joy can be complete because you've obeyed him and that when you share your word, your testimony, it brings joy, not fear. In the name of Jesus, amen. We'll see you next week, church.
break our walls down. Spirit, break out. Let heaven come Yes. 
of the Holy Spirit in this place. Church, as we, as we move forward this morning, as we hear testimonies, and don't forget right now, the anointing that can break everything. a sweet anointing in the presence of Jesus where all anxiety all fear everything can be gone because he loves you so much and I don't care if you've been ministering for 20 years or if today's your first time in church the reminder should always be fresh to us that he loves you so much that he sent his son to die in your stead. And his anointing is beyond anything else. You can't win the battle on your own. It has to be with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It has to be. It has to be.
Thou, O Lord, art high. 